Welcome to the What If Podcast, where we rewrite sports past, present, and future. We're your hosts, Eddie, Jeet, Cameron, and Michael. Four lifelong friends, each with a unique perspective on sports. And find out, what if Manchester City never received Middle Eastern funding? We have another episode for you guys. We are talking about Manchester City. Very timely, given that they have recently clinched the Premier League title and also have made their way to the Champions League final where they get to play Chelsea. So really looking forward to that. But our topic today deals with Manchester City. And what if they never got that funding back in the mid to late 2000s? What would they look like now? What would the landscape of English football look like? And really just a year-by-year analysis of who would have won if Manchester City didn't win. So we got that coming up for us, but one thing that we wanted to do, not really specific to soccer, but Manchester City, you could say, have been number one in English football for quite a bit. When we think about number ones, and also because I'm pretty hungry and I'm trying to figure out what to get for dinner tonight, we decided what are our favorite fast food restaurants. So with that being said, we all came up with our top fives. We do like our rankings here. So without further ado, I think to preface, we did mostly describe that these restaurants have to mostly have a drive-through, but there may be a special exemption or two. So I will start really quick. This was pretty tough. I had a list of like 15, but I brought it down at number five. I'm going to go Panda Express because when I want like quick Chinese food, it's always there. The honey walnut shrimp, it is fantastic. I tried making it myself a few weeks ago. It did not pan out. So I'm getting my honey walnut shrimp and orange chicken too. And fun fact, if you do the coupon on the back of your receipt, you get a third free entree item. So make sure you know that. Still haven't done that yet. I need to, need to get on my coupon game here, Michael. Hey, you got it, Cameron. You got it. Number four, this is actually a new one. I've been having it a lot recently. Wendy's. I've been having a lot of Wendy's, and it is fantastic. Really decent deals they got. So I love their burgers, lots of meat. Their fries are really good. Frosties, they're good. I wouldn't say they're amazing, but they're solid. Just overall, the burgers there are fantastic. Number three. Just because of the variety, I got to go Sonic. I love a little drive-through action, drive-in action too. So Sonic, you have so many different things, a massive, massive shakes. Mozzarella sticks there are pretty fire as well. Now going a little more Midwestern here at number two, but I got Steak and Shake. Very nostalgic for myself and I think for all four of us, just because we used to hang out there, that was a hangout spot. And I do love me a nice milkshake from there. The fries are really good. And Cheese it fries, man. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. And it's a pretty good deal there, too. Number one, maybe a little bit controversial, but I was thinking, and it has to be McDonald's. McDonald's got to be number one. You can get breakfast there. You can get fries. In March, you can get shamrock shakes. So I'm going McDonald's number one. 
I don't know what y'all think, but I will toss it over to uh to Cameron. What do you got? Yeah, man, that that's a good list. I I definitely had a bunch of those that you said in the running here. I actually swapped one out during your list, so you influenced me. So five, I did Jimmy John's. I love a good Jimmy John sandwich, either the Hunter's Club, little uh, Turkey Club, maybe. I eat them all the time when I'm driving. They're super easy to eat in the car. And the whole Jimmy John's like being fast, totally true. By the time you're done paying, they already have it up ready for you. It's awesome. Sometimes me and Caitlin will buy day-old bread from them for 99 cents. And so like, if we want like Jimmy John's bread for the week, we'll just stop at Jimmy John's and we make homemade sandwiches with the day-old bread and it's still really good. So four is Wendy's. I also have Wendy's on my list, Michael. And mainly it's the value you get at Wendy's. The four for four meal is by far the greatest deal out of any fast food place in the world. You cannot tell me any different. Probably my favorite French fry on this list is from Wendy's. Like you said, the Frosties are good. So absolute money. And then number three is Culver's. Me and Caitlin, this is our go-to date spot. Ice cream is amazing. Cheese curds, the best. Burgers are still really good. Even their root beer, they have like this homemade root beer that's really good. Always in for Culver's. Number two is Panda. As you know, I am quarter Japanese, so I love my Asian food. I could probably eat it every day of the week if Caitlin let me. And so obviously Panda isn't the best Asian place to get food. But when we're talking about fast food and like, you know, like you said, I just want to show up, get my Asian food, get out. Panda is an amazing option. I love it. They just added sesame chicken. And I like that way more than orange chicken. And then number one, I did Chick-fil-A. I mean, this is a place I go to eat probably twice a week when I'm on the road. It's an amazing place, especially in Texas. And I'd be driving on the road in Texas a lot. I mean, there's a Chick-fil-A in like every town and you know what you're going to get when you go in there. The different types of things. I mean, I get the grilled, the spicy, just like the regular, the nuggets, even like their breakfast chicken stuff is good. Their salads are really good. And the best shake, chocolate shake out there, Chick-fil-A. Put it on the board. You heard it here, y'all. Chocolate shake, Chick-fil-A, it's a way to go. You ever had the peach one there, Cameron? I'm not. I may have to go to Chick-fil-A to get a peach shake or a chocolate shake now. But yeah, Michael, you brought up like McDonald's and stuff like that and Sonic. Like Sonic, the drinks, amazing. Food is all right, but like the drink selection, out of this world. McDonald's, like sometimes, man, like a burger from McDonald's is just the best thing on the planet. But yeah, that's my five. I like it. Wendy's for both of us at number four. We'll see if the trend continues. Let's go uh, to Eddie. Where are your top five? Sure. Um, so my top five was kind of hard to come up with. Opposite of the problems that Cameron and Michael had. I know you guys had like 15 yet to narrow it down. I had trouble coming up with five. I don't really eat out that much, but you know, there's a few that I really enjoyed. So number five, I had Raising Cane's. 
I've had good memories there. One of the first times I went was during like teacher appreciation week and people who are teachers can get like a free Raising Cane's meal. So I wasn't a teacher per se, but I was a college advisor. And all they asked was like to show proof that we're teachers. So I showed my badge that I wore at the school. That was just a good time, just getting that free meal. For number four, I put down Steak and Shake, mainly because of the, the memories as well. The food was decent. The shakes were great. I like the shakes a lot. But yeah, you know, just the fact that we went there during high school and, and college as well, like that's just the focal point of where we meet. How many uh, waitresses have kicked us out because they wanted to go home? We just were there like all night, just hanging out. Too many. <laughs> like 2, 3 a.m. mornings there. Oh, man. Three, I put down Panda Express, mainly because the quality of food there is superb i love the shrimp that they have there that's one of my favorite things from there number two this is a local thing but high point they don't have a drive-through they call it a drive-in but um yeah oh man the the food there is superb i love it i love it so much uh the burgers i get like the double cheeseburger with like caramelized onions bacon and the fries are just, ooh, they're so good. Man, I just, you, you bite into the burger. It's so good. I feel like I'm sounding like that one guy who talks about um, Five Guys. He does a review of Five Guys and he just sings about it. Like, I could sing about High Point. It's that good. <laughs> but yeah, um, but then number one, I chose Chipotle. I know they don't really have a drive-through, but there is a drive-through somewhere in the nation. I checked it up somewhere in New York. For those of you who don't know, the Chipotles with drive-thrus are called Chipotle Lanes. So that's pretty neat. I'd like to go to one of those drive-thrus one day. But yeah, Chipotle is just like kind of like my feel-good food. You know, I get a burrito bowl. I get some of that cilantro rice. I get the black beans. I get the, the lettuce, some cheese on top, and some guac. I know you have to pay extra for the guac, but I'm okay with that. I know at Qdoba, the guac you don't have to pay extra for but I made that mistake last week actually I went to Qdoba so I didn't have to pay extra for the guac but it was a bad choice but man yeah so Chipotle is number one I'm opposite on you Eddie man I'm all Qdoba Qdoba for life really yeah get the nachos with the cheese on the side it's good you have to make yourself your own dip basically it's awesome All right, well, we agree to disagree then. Eddie, that description of a high point burger, you've got me hooked. I'm I'm in. Next time you're in St. Louis, man, you have to go there. Sounds like a date, man. (laughs) There we go. Eddie, you brought up the point, and Cameron, you said it too, but Steak and Shake was the hangout spot. Lo and behold, you know, we would hang out with a few other friends as well. And I think this came out many years after we were hanging out all the time in Steak and Shake, one of the other friends said they didn't even like Steak and Shake, but that we would always go there and loved it there, that they just kind of went with the flow and said, all right. But I'm pretty sure they said, like, I don't like it. So I thought that was very funny. That's a a spot, nostalgia for sure. But good stuff. I like the list, Eddie. Panda Express has made the list for me, Cameron, and Eddie. 
there's one spot I'm curious, I'm not sure will come up for G, but let's uh let's find out. Toss it over to G. What do you got? Let's see here. So similar to Eddie, I am not a huge fast food guy, but there is a critical difference between Eddie and I that I'll get into towards the end of my list. <laughs> but uh so number five, I'll say McDonald's. You guys already spoke its praises enough. Number four, I'll say Steak and Shake for the reasons mentioned above. Number three, I'll say Jimmy John's. Cameron spoke beautifully about Jimmy John's. I have nothing to add. Number two, I'm going to go Wendy's. Fries, spicy chicken, frosty. Can't go wrong. Number one. A spicy chicken frosty, but you know. Hey, watch it, watch it. Number one. I'm going Qdoba. <laughs> I'm going Qdoba. 14 drive-thrus as of this article that I just read. Qdoba. It is a poor man's Chipotle. I will admit to that, but I am a poor man. And <laughs> I just like, you know, the free guac. That's good. But also, if you get chips with it, they give a ton of chips. Like, they give you three meals in one. Qdoba all the way. So those are my five. But I will say there's one place that is on my anti-list, a place that I hate, <laughs> and that is In-N-Out, because I used to live in LA. In-N-Out wow. is the spot there, and it's because I don't eat beef. And so I asked for a veggie burger, and they gave me two pieces of bread with a piece of lettuce and tomato in between, and that was it. So... <laughs> Not a big fan, but their animal fries are animal style fries are good. So oh, I rest my no. case. That's bad. That's bad. Did you throw it back at them, G, when you got the veggie burger? I did. And then I got arrested. Do what you gotta do. That's a tale for another day, perhaps. <laughs> On our when were you arrested section of our podcast. That's right. It's a pretty lengthy one, truth be told. I was kind of surprised. For most everyone, this one location will probably appear in their top five, but for all four of us, it did not. But Taco Bell. I have a very love-hate relationship with Taco Bell because once upon a time, I did love it. And then when I was in middle school, I got food poisoning from it and I didn't eat it for four years straight. And so now I'll eat it because Caitlin loves Taco Bell, but it's definitely not one of my favorite places to go. There's just a little piece of me that remembers that day. No bueno. No bueno. Yikes. I wonder if Taco Bell will make a recovery for Cameron. Well, those were our top five fast food locations, fast food restaurants. What do you guys think? Qdoba or Chipotle? Maybe a poll, perhaps. But without further ado, I think it's about time that we enter the conversation about Manchester City and if they never received Middle Eastern funding. What if Manchester City does not get wealthy Middle Eastern ownership? What happens in that case with not just Man City, but really in general, what happens with England? Because obviously when Man City became the forefront of England winning titles and getting all this money, 
United, it was towards the end of their reign in regards to winning titles. So at that point, who kind of takes over the lead in regards to winning the most trophies in England? But just for a little more context, in 2008, it looks like is when the Abu Dhabi-based Abu Dhabi United Group Investment and Development Limited, very long one, completed a takeover of Man City. And that was when it happened. 2008, sponsorships, cash influx, a huge amount of money spent on transfers, the early ones. You had Rubinho, you had Joe, you had Aguero. So as these transfers start coming in, you start seeing titles won by Man City. I'm just going to throw some numbers at you. Man City won the most trophies by any team in the entire decade, and that's Premier League, that's FA Cup, and that's the League Cup, Capital One slash Carabao Cup. I prefer Capital One Cup, but that's just my personal take. Man City won four Premier League titles, first of which the infamous 2011-2012 season, where they beat out Man United on the last match day, that last winner by Aguero. Their next one comes in 2013-14, and ironically, I didn't know this, Liverpool finished second that year. No, excuse me. That was the year the Gerard slip. Excuse me. I do remember that now. Um, <laughs> titles, 27-18, Sorry, Cameron. <laughs> so in the Premier League, it begs the question, Man United kind of fell off the map, you could say, you know, arguably starting 2012-2013. At that point, Man City, not the team they are that we knew them as. What happens at that point in the Premier League? Who wins some more Premier League titles? Does United continue their streak? Or does, say, Liverpool start a streak? Chelsea start winning titles as well? Who do you all think would have been the next team up? Either in the first part of the decade, the latter part, the middle part, who would have reigned supreme if not City? Let me ask you a question, Michael, before we jump into that. So what was Man City like before this influx of money? Were they contending for top six? Or were they just like middle of the pack? I think mid-table. Eddie and G could probably attest a little more to that. Mid-table, right? I think yeah. So they had never had this type of success in their history. And then all of a sudden they get a ton of money in, wheeling and dealing and just putting every stud on the field they can, and all of a sudden they're just pounding out championships. Just about. And when you think about it, the League Cup, they won five of the ten League Cups in the entire decade. They also won two FA Cups as well. Beginning 2010 and 11, that was actually, I think, their first trophy. They won the Premier League the following year. And then in addition, 2018-19. So overall, they won 11 trophies, FA Cup, League Cup and Premier League title. The next one up was United at nine trophies, Chelsea at seven, and Arsenal at three. If I could go first here, like it makes me think that, I mean, United was the team of the 2000s, if I remember right. And I mean, they were still pretty good going into the, those years, but like I feel like City just flushed them out and they haven't really been the same really I mean, have they even won in this decade a premier league cup in this decade they have one okay it still feels like united has become they were like the older brother and then their little brother like grew taller than them and then just started beating them up <laughs> you know and so like i mean look at what united is now i mean you're nowhere near as scared as them as you were back in the 2000s 
as you are like scared of Man City. So if, if I had to guess, I would say Man U would probably still be the team to beat today. I think they would have still carried that torch. Granted, there would be other teams along the way. Like I have no doubts that like Chelsea would make a run here and there. Like maybe Liverpool would. Or, like even Arsenal and Tottenham has gotten better. And, you know, some of these other teams. Like I'm sure they would have their years, but I think Man U would still be the team to beat, which is definitely not the case right now. It's hmm. a good take. So United won the title last in 2012 mm -hmm. and 13. But after that, all the way up until this year, literally, they had only finished second, so runner-up, one time. And that was 2017-18. So I would agree with Cameron in that the year or two after, when they last won the title in 12-13, they would still probably be the favorite. But that still leaves six or seven seasons kind of unaccounted for. Just to throw this out there as well, even in the years that City did not win the Premier League, they finished runner-up three times. So they either finished first or second, seven of the ten years. Jeez. But I think, to add on to my point, I think you don't know where some of those players end up that City bought. So a lot of those players probably would have ended up on United. So I, I imagine that United would still have gotten – you have to take into account like where those other players wound up. And you don't know if some of those guys would have wound up on United. And where Pep, like what if Pep ended up managing United? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you don't know where the managers wind up either, yeah. I think the, the downside to the United argument is that they lost Sir Alex Ferguson as their manager. So then after he went, so then they replaced him with David Moyes, and United was, like, never the same. So I wonder if it's, like, how much of the problem for United was Man City being too good or Man United losing the greatest manager in the history of the sport and not being able to replace him because he would turn average players into Champions League winners. So I feel like there would definitely be a power vacuum around that time if City's not there to clean up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like a perfect storm almost. Yeah. Eddie, what are your thoughts? Do you think Arsenal, all those years finishing in the top four, they could have made a run or two? Uh, I think so, because after City was bought, they had four Arsenal players go over there. They had Gail Clichy, they had Adebayor, they had Nasri, and Toure. Like, those are four key players. So. In a sense, yeah, I do think that Arsenal, like, I don't want to make it about Arsenal, you know? But, I mean, they could have benefited if, if it wasn't for Man City's money. I think bringing them up is fair because they had a legitimate shot all those years finishing top four. And, you know, I would say the one power vacuum is, you know, Liverpool the last few years. So, the of course, won this year, as per Cameron's shirt. But the year prior, they would have won if it wasn't for City. Here it is. And then you start thinking about kind of like the early part of the decade is United. Say the latter half, maybe the last two or three years have been Liverpool. But how about those middle five or six in which Chelsea won a few? You had Leicester thrown in there. It's kind of interesting because two of those titles, 2017-18 and 13-14, were cities. So does maybe an Arsenal sneak in and get the title? Tottenham. The last few years have always been in the conversation. Do they actually win a title? 
I also think that in terms of like who would have finished higher than if it wasn't for Man City getting all this money, I think Aston Villa would have had a chance to make Champions League because before Man City got all this money, they were finishing like sixth place. Like by the end of the 2008-2009 season, they finished sixth and they were 10 points behind. And then 2009-2010, they finished sixth again with 64 points, but they were six points behind Champions League. But then in the 2010-2011 season, they bought James Milner. And James Milner was like a key player for Aston Villa. Like, I think he had, like, 37 or 36 Premier League appearances. And they bought him. And then, like, that whole season that Aston Villa had, they dropped to ninth, 16 points back from a Champions League spot. So I think uh, Aston Villa was was really impacted by that. Yeah, because you really only need one year of Champions League. You just need to make it into Champions League one year, and that can – get you so much money and that can get you some more players to come in that that could set you up for success for decades. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. I'm curious if we had to put a number or like the absolute winner, who would have won the most titles if City's four titles over the last decade, starting in 2011-12, who would have taken those four? For context, 2011 and 12, Man City finished first, and United finished second. Who do you guys think would have won that year? I think if Sir Alex Ferguson was still there, then United. So, United consensus? I agree. I agree. 2013-14, Man City and Liverpool. Liverpool finishes second, Man City finishes first. What do we all think? Where was Man U in that year? Outside the top four, actually. That might have been their seventh place finish or something of that sort, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that was the season after Sir Alex retired. So it was Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea, and Arsenal for the top four. Yeah, I mean, you would have to think that would be like a Liverpool or Chelsea year, probably. I feel like that Liverpool team just didn't have the killer instinct like the current Liverpool team does, you know? They just, I don't know, it felt like the precursed Red Sox. You just knew no matter how close they come, they would lose. <laughs> that is a comparison, especially with the same yeah. Okay. Even if Liverpool finished second that year, I would have bet against them. So who do you think would have won that year, G? Who was the manager of Chelsea this time? Was it? Oh, it was Mourinho. Yeah, I think it would be Mourinho. I think Chelsea would win. Eddie? Uh, I, I'm trying to see if I agree with what G said about Liverpool and how they kind of choked and stuff. Like, they, didn't, they, didn't, they weren't clutch. Shoot. Yeah, I'm going to say Liverpool. I think Liverpool would have won that year. I'm just saying this because I really like that duo, Sturridge and Suarez. If I had a guess as well, I'd probably say Liverpool. Like, defensively, it was a little shaky, but going forward and they still have Gerard. oof. I still would have taken them, I think. Okay, two more. 17-18, Man City wins. Strangely enough, Man United, with Mourinho, finishes second. Tottenham in third. And in fourth, we had Liverpool. What do you guys think? Would it have been United? 
Yeah, I think it would have been United. Yeah. Considering, like, Mourinho has this thing of he goes to a team for the first year, he doesn't win anything, but the second year he wins something. I think that was his second year at United, so I think he would have he would have won it. I think I'm going to go Spurs because at this point, they have the talent. They're still younger. Everyone is still pretty fresh, and they're playing some really great football. And I'm pretty sure United only overtook them on the last few match days. I'm sorry, Eddie. I'm really sorry about that. But I got to say, give a little love to Spurs. You know, they need it. Okay. <laughs> so we all said United. I said Spurs. Last one, 2018-19 is, of course, that's a first-year Liverpool, really back in the fold. They finished second, Chelsea third, Tottenham fourth. Yeah, I think Liverpool, you'd have to say Liverpool in that season. That, sure. that team is really good. That's a heck of a race, really. That's so interesting, because we'd be talking about a Liverpool dynasty now, if this were the case, you know? Mm-hmm. Potentially, yeah. So... With what we just said, Liverpool would have won an extra two titles. For most everyone, United would have won another two titles as well. So it would have been split between Liverpool and United. That's very interesting. It would also be interesting if those investors, instead of buying City, they bought someone else, like Newcastle or something. But some of those other cities aren't as big. as Is Manchester one of the bigger cities in England? Having two teams there, I imagine it's a little bit bigger. So I wonder if that had more pull to their yeah. team. Yeah, yeah. They should have looked into London. Imagine, like, Fulham or West Ham, you know? Wow. <laughs> or Crystal Palace. <laughs> oh Ironically, I am wearing West Ham colors today, I just realized. Uh, oh. Michael's favorite team. That's a fair point. And I was going to do, like, a future question, like, what if this happens again? Because at that point, instead of, you know, the top six, which now City's been included the last decade, are we moving into more of a top seven or eight discussion? A team like Leicester, do they come through and break in easily? Or do one of the bigger clubs like Arsenal or Tottenham, do they drop? Yeah. I don't know. He just stumped. <laughs> I'm stumped. Perhaps for another call. Season two? I like it. What if they would have gone to not even England? What if they would have gone to, like, a team in Germany or Spain or France or something and created, like, a second team for one of those leagues? Yeah, that would be something. Because they're really just one-team leagues. Imagine, like, somebody challenging PSG. Actually, before PSG, it used to be then used to be Lyon. Like, Lyon used to be, like, the team. And then, like, they put in a lot of money to Monaco, and then Monaco won that one year when, like, Bappe was there. And then they kind of just – it didn't sustain. What if they got Monaco and built a team around Mbappe? That would have been fun. A constant year after year, like, PSG, because assuming they still have their money versus Monaco – I'll tell you what, I'd be watching a lot more French soccer than I am now. (laughs) Hey, there's a good question for next week. Good question, Michael. Yeah, that's really interesting. Thanks for listening to the What If Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe.
Stay tuned as we continue to reimagine the world of sports. <laughs>